You are listening to the Reality Church Ventura podcast, a collection of sermons from our weekly Sunday gatherings. To learn more about reality, visit us online at realityventura.com. Reflect on the meaning of these scriptures for the world and for our lives. Let me pray for us now that what is true might become real to every one of our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace shown to us ultimately in the gospel, the good news about what you have done for us through your son and coming into our world, living, dying, and rising on our behalf. And we do ask now that by the power of your spirit, you would take what is true and may it become real to our hearts and that we would respond and be changed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I suppose there aren't many today who believe they need to write a letter to Santa to get on his night's list. But unfortunately, there are many who do believe that they need to write a letter or make a list of good deeds to God in order to get on his nice list. And we wonder, what kind of a list does God have? And how do we know that we can be on that list? The truth is, friends, as we come to the end of this year, we realize we care a lot about lists, whether we want to be on the good list of our family, our friends, the people we work with or live around, we care about whether or not we are accepted and we fear rejection. We work hard to get on some people's lists and we even hide what might keep us from those lists. And so again, we ask, What kind of a list does God have? And who gets on that list? That is what's so surprising to me about the Christmas narrative recorded for us in the gospel according to Matthew that was just read. Because it does not begin with the familiar scenes of the shepherds, but with a very, very long List. I've actually spared the scripture reader. There are over 50 names in that list, but it's summarized in the word genealogy. These are the generations from Abraham to David to exile and to Jesus. If you're new to Christian faith and someone tells you, hey, you should read the Bible, and you're like, where should I start? And they say the New Testament, and you open to Matthew, and you're like, this is a long list of names I can't pronounce. Like film credits, You would be tempted to skip them. But that, my friends, would be a mistake. Because this list helps us understand why Christmas matters and how it changes your life. It's not just a long list. It is a wonderful list for at least three reasons. It's a list full of history, honesty, and hope. 
The first thing you need to know is that Christmas, we learn from this list, is about real history. This long list of names, this this genealogy, starting with Abraham, shows us that the Christmas story is true. It all really happened. That's why this is recorded here. In verse one, again, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And down in verse 17, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. See, this all begins to make sense of the scriptures we heard earlier from the Old Testament. The Christmas story is the fulfillment of a long line of promises brought through Abraham, through Israel, it proves that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of these promises. That Jesus Christ is our long-awaited king. But this list isn't just about information. This list is about an announcement. About something that God has accomplished. Or to put it another way, simply, Christmas is not about good advice Christmas is about good news. It's not about good advice. It's about good news. And the difference between the two is significant. Advice, of course, is someone telling you something that you should do. But news is telling you about something that has already been done. Now imagine for a moment, if you can just try hard enough to imagine that it actually rained in California and that a flood was coming towards your house. Just try to imagine that for a moment. And the city called you, informing you that there was nothing at all that they could do. What you would need in that moment is good advice. Good advice telling you what you must do to prepare the items that you must purchase in order to meet those floods. That's good advice. However, imagine if the city not only knew and identified, but actually was able to stop the flooding, then in that case, you would not need advice. You would need a message. I find it interesting that the original word for angel means simply that, messenger. And the angels do not bring good advice. They bring good news. Christmas is about real history, friends. This all happened. God moved in human history. And it reminds us that Christmas and Christianity, it does not start with something that must be done, but that's something God has done. God has come. He's identified the problem, and he has arrived with the solution. It's about real history. But for who? Well, that's the second thing. This long list reminds us that Christmas is about raw honesty. 
You think, why are we talking about a genealogy at Christmas, friend? Here's why. In ancient times, a genealogy like this, a long list like this, was actually meant to be your credentials. It was your LinkedIn profile. It was your CV. It was your resume legitimizing your place in the community. It legitimized your rank, your class, your status. It proved that you had a right to that land or to that role in society. In this case, it is so important that the Christmas story begins with this list because it shows that Jesus Christ is indeed the promised one who is going to come through this kingly line in order to save the world. In fact, these genealogies, these long lists in the ancient world, they were so important that many people were known to actually tamper with their lists. They would doctor their lists. They would actually remove family members, like that sketchy uncle. They would like remove them from their list so that they didn't look bad, so that they didn't look illegitimate. They would literally remove names and hide people from that list for fear of how it would make them look. It was that important. Not unlike some do where they take that family photo and there is the awkward uncle and they fold the photo and then they slide that photo back in the frame. Not that any of you have ever done this. But the Christmas story, this Christmas list friends, does the exact opposite. The people in these generations are not people that you would expect to be associated with the story of God. In fact, if you read about the people listed here, you quickly discover that it is a list full of messy lives who, according to God's perfect standard, should be cast out from God. When you know the stories behind the names leading up to Christmas, you learn very quickly that the Bible hides nothing. The Bible is the most honest book about the human condition. So any notion that Christianity or the Bible is all about pretending or fake it till you make it is swept away in a list like this. So what is so surprising about some of the names on this list? Well, let me just tell you, if you think your family tree is a mess, consider a few highlights that we didn't read here but are included in this list. Consider a woman named Tamar and a man named Judah. They're mentioned in verse three. Tamar was a foreigner. She was not an Israelite, but she married an Israelite. Sadly, he died early on. Now, back in that ancient world, there were no social services or job opportunities or protection for women like Tamar. There was an option, however, in Israel that was unique a relative could marry a widow and then provide for them and take care of them. So Tamar's father-in-law, this man named Judah, he promises to Tamar one of his sons. But then later on, he backtracks. He doesn't make good on his promise. Judah doesn't want Tamar, this foreigner, on his list. 
And it actually takes an elaborate plan of deception from Tamar to get Judah to finally acknowledge his dishonesty and make good on his word. According to God's perfect standard, both should be cast out. Or what about Rahab, who's also mentioned in Jesus' family line, this Christmas list. She was a prostitute living in the ancient wicked city of Jericho, which was about to be destroyed. And though she was a foreigner, she hears about the God of Israel and makes a decision to trust in him by faith and to help the Israelite army even at great risk. She's on this list. What about Ruth and Boaz? Also in verse five. Ruth was another foreigner. She was from another nation known for its idolatry, the nation of Moab. She also marries an Israelite who sadly dies as well. Ruth becomes a widow. But she decides to follow her mother-in-law back to Israel and to believe in the God of Israel by faith, knowing that she would be viewed and seen as an outsider. But in God's providence, she meets a man named Boaz, a just man, a kind man, who marries her and puts her on his list. And then, of course, there's the two most famous names of all, David and Bathsheba. They're also mentioned in this list. Of course, they're known for the tragic murder scandal where King David used his power to take another man's wife. Why do I mention this at Christmas? To one degree or another, all the names in this Christmas list, they are damaged goods. They're damaged goods. It's a list full of painful memories, In some cases, bad reputations, hurtful experiences, guilty conscience. Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you on this Christmas feel like damaged goods. I know I can relate. I remember this very feeling existing within me before I became a Christian, keeping me away from God. The decisions that I had made that I was ashamed of, I thought there's no way for me to get on God's list. The wrong decisions made against me that hurt me made me feel like damaged goods. And maybe some of you have actually done some of the damage through your own sins. Here's the thing, because of that, because of shame, many of us do whatever we can to bury, to hide, to conceal, to fold the photo, if you will, on the truth about our past, the truth about our lives. And yet we see in this list leading up to the birth of Christ, the people that you would expect to be in Well, they're flawed and fail. And the people that you would expect to be out 
Well, they're included in this list meant to legitimize Christ's coming as king. So why are they all included? Well, one of the reasons is because this is a honest list. Because the Bible is all about raw honesty and invites us to be honest about our lives. Listen, Christianity is not about pretending. We don't come to church on Christmas and just say, hey, it's one or two days a year, if you include Easter, that I, that I come to church and I kind of put on the mask like, everything's fine. Oh, bless. Oh, bless. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then you get home and like, I hate those people, you know. <laughs> it's not a time of faking it. This isn't some kind of religious game. The Bible invites us to confess our sin, not to hide our sin. The Bible invites us to be honest about the pain, honest about the hurt. Some of you in this Christmas season are carrying deep pain and grief. Perhaps there's been loss you're dealing with. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you're the one that's done the betraying. Maybe you've experienced death. Maybe you're just aware of your own failings. The Bible invites us to be honest. It's one of the reasons all of these names that you read about before you get to the epic birth of Christ is about raw honesty. That's why it's here. But there's another reason why this list is deliberately and explicitly included in the account of the birth of Christ. Here's why Kenneth Bailey, who wrote an epic book, called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, helping us to see what is often missed as modern-day Westerners into these accounts. He says this, With such a list, Matthew gives us clues about the kinds of people that the Messiah came to save. He was to be a savior for men and women who were both saints and sinners, Jews and Gentiles. This genealogy is truly comprehensive. Many can look at the stories of these women and men and find some reflections of themselves. The list leading up to Christmas is a list full of flaw and failure, but it leads to this climax that one day God would be faithful. In spite of human unfaithfulness, God would be faithful. And so by miraculous intervention, God comes into our world. He would take on flesh. He would become human. He would live amongst people like them. He would live amongst people like us. He would meet us in our mess. Why? Because there is more grace in the heart of God than there is sin in the heart of man. And that is why, lastly, Christmas is about remarkable hope. It's history. It's real. It's honest, brutally honest about the human condition. But yet it is so full of hope. These men and women are highlighted because these are the types of people that God intended to save. See, this is the story of God's grace at work at every turn. You read through this list and you see, oh, maybe, nope, failure. Oh, maybe they'll get it right. Nope, failure. Until finally, at last, we come to the grandest miracle of all that God would give his son to come into our world to set all things right. And so we come to the account of Mary 
a lowly peasant girl who receives the angel's news that she will conceive of the Holy Spirit and bear a son, knowing what people will think and her reputation being at stake. She receives the call. Joseph, her fiance, wrestles with the news himself. But God intervenes. And so by the prompting of God, Joseph goes beyond the expectation of the law because a nobler option was available to him. He puts Mary on his list. And so it says in Matthew, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, in the story of Mary and Joseph, we see great initiative and courage and boldness, but nothing like what the son of God would do. What if there was a list of acceptance where your past mistakes wouldn't keep you from it, where your present hurt and failures would not remove you from it? What if there was a way to know that you were totally forgiven by God and completely accepted by God apart from anything you had failed to do or anything that you have done? Well, Jesus made a way. His name means God saves. He will save people from their sins. Jesus is the only truly innocent one in a long line of messy humanity just like us. He's the only truly innocent one who did not just risk, but actually endured all the shame and the public humiliation and the rejection that we deserve, that men and women in his own family tree deserve, that the world deserves when he went not just to a cradle, but grew up and went all the way to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, for my sin, for your sin, so that we could be put on the one list that matters, God's list of approval. Listen, the message of Christmas is you cannot save yourself. Put that on a Christmas card tonight. (laughs) Can you imagine your relatives? It's like, Merry Christmas. You can't save yourself. Oh. (laughs) But that's what is being portrayed to us again and again in scripture. We cannot save ourselves like the men and women in this long, messy list. We should be cast out. Because according to God's perfect standard, none of us have a right to be on God's list of acceptance. But we celebrate and we see at Christmas time that Jesus didn't lower his standard to bring us in. Jesus lowered himself to bring us in. 
He didn't say, oh, oh, that's sin. Oh, oh, it doesn't matter. Everyone, you know, like a senile, benevolent Santa Claus. Oh, come on in. Doesn't matter if you're terrible. Come on in. Jesus didn't lower his standard. He lowered himself. He was born into poverty, endured humiliation and suffering all the way to the cross to forgive us and to accept us to put us on his one list, the list that matters. So why does this continue to be wonderful news for us? It means that the way to be accepted by God is not because of what you can do, but what God has done. You are accepted by grace. You receive this gift of salvation by faith because of grace. And that means a couple of things that might actually give some of us great clarity. It means that many Christians you meet may be far worse than other people you know. Some of you are like, oh, now it all makes sense. (laughs) Because it's not as if the people you know who are Christians, they got their act together and they cleaned themselves up and God was like, oh, now you can come into my kingdom. Oh yeah, you've done a lot better than in 2022. Like 2023 is a good year for you. Come on in. That's not the gospel. As the great Christian author C.S. Lewis once said, Christ does not make people better. He makes people new. That's what happens in the gospel. No one has a right to be on this list. But because of what Jesus has done, everyone has an invitation. And it's an invitation by grace. Listen, Grace is highly offensive to people who don't think they need it. Those of us who are like, no, no, I don't want to hand out. I don't want to hand up. But listen, friend, you can't save yourself. Apart from the grace of God and Jesus Christ, like we're all doomed. We cannot save ourselves. But God sent his son Jesus to save us from what? Our sins. Grace is highly offensive to people who don't think they need it. But it is glorious to those who know that they do. It is glorious to those who know that they do. It means that you are free to acknowledge your wrongs and your sins and your failings without trying to tamper your list or doctor your list. You can be honest about your sin. You can be honest about your pain. You can be honest about the shame. You can be honest about the sins done against you because Jesus came to save. We spend so much time of our lives trying to get failures off of our list, but Jesus gave his life to bring us in on his list. And it means you can be honest about your past. Just like me coming to Christ, I was able to be honest about my past. Because Jesus saves us. He makes us right. He takes damaged goods and he turns us into showcases of grace. Who? Men and women. Jew and Gentile. Small and great. Insiders and outsiders. Rich and poor. Educated, uneducated. Victims and culprit. You see, friends, the gospel tells us this. There is no one here so good that you don't need to be saved. There is no one so good in here that you don't need to be saved. 
and there's no one so bad that cannot be saved. And I was reminded of this lesson through my estranged uncle, who I didn't hear from for over 22 years. And as I shared with some of you, recently got back in touch with our family because for many years he rejected Jesus Christ. But shocking us all, even though we had no communication for so long, we discovered that by the power of the Holy Spirit in his life and a very major surgery that kind of woke him up, he accepted Christ, became a Christian, moved back to his hometown in Illinois, and my brother and I just got to baptize him a few weeks ago at the age of 68 years old. And right before we baptized him, he said, I've spent my whole life living against God. I have nothing to offer him. And my brother and I said to my uncle, neither did the thief next to Jesus on a cross when he believed on Jesus and was saved. Because it's not about what we have done. It's about what God has done for us. Nobody deserves to be on this list. But everyone has an invitation. And so the two questions this morning are, first, have you received this invitation? The invitation has gone out to the world. The announcement of what Jesus Christ has done. But have you RSVP'd? We all know what it's like to get those Evites in your email inbox, but you can't go to the party. You can't go to the concert. You can't go to the event unless you what? You've got a RSVP. You just think that you don't reply to that Evite that you got. You think you're just gonna show up. You're gonna find out your name's not on the list. I know, because I've done this before. You don't think you have to RSVP for weddings? Guess what? You don't get seated with food. <laughs> I've learned the hard way and I've officiated weddings. <laughs> Friends, the invitation has gone out. If you're here this morning and you have not made the personal decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior, not just your mother or your father or your children or your brother or your sister or your sweet grandmother, have you made the decision? You must RSVP. And you can do that today by saying, yes, Jesus, I believe. I want to know I'm forgiven. And on your list of acceptance by grace, receive it today. And secondly, church, if you've received that invitation, are we living like it? Are you living knowing that I'm on his list? I'm in his family. I'm forgiven of all of my sin. I'm accepted. I'm adopted. I'm empowered. I'm more than a conqueror. I am loved by God. I have a mission in this world. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I am the redeemed of God. And I'm gonna tell everyone I know about this hope. If you've received that invitation, are you living like it? Go and tell others. Jesus came to bring healing for the pain, forgiveness for the guilty, strength for the weak, sight for the blind, hope for the hopeless, grace to the undeserving, salvation for the lost. So who wants damaged goods? Jesus does. Jesus came for damaged goods like me and you to include us on his list. Have you received? 
I pray that you would and that you would live like it. Let me pray for this now. Heavenly Father, I do pray for those here in this room who have never made the decision to receive the invitation that has already gone out. I pray that today they would RSVP, that they would say from their heart, even now from where they're sat, Jesus, save me. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. I believe you are the salvation of the world and I believe you are my savior. Forgive me and accept me. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. I pray now that those men and women would believe and be saved. And I pray for us as your church that we would live knowing that we are on your list of acceptance and approval. That we would live in that healing and security and confidence and acceptance that doesn't come from us, but from you. And that we would share this good news with all around us. Spirit of God, renew the joy of our salvation, even on this Christmas Eve morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.